Peko Bagnaia shows that he is in incredible form once again, and we farewell the greatest of all time, Valentino Rossi. All this and more on the latest MotoGP episode of the Racing Line podcast. Welcome to our 10th episode of the Racing Line podcast. Gents, we've made it to 10. We've already lost Joseph tonight in hysterics, but tonight we're going to be um, reviewing the last race of the MotoGP season that took place last night um, at, in Valencia. Boys, how'd we find it? How are we all doing? Good, man. Thank you. Thanks for being back, guys. Yep, Tonso's back. How's the Tonsils, mate? Tonso. That's it, bro. Yeah. Did you give him a gentle week? I did. I, you know, I, I stayed off the the hard beverages and um, didn't yell in class at all. So should lots be of, ready lots of voice go. care. Lots of voice care. A lot of voice care. That's lemon juice gargles. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so much lemon. All right, juice. Mixie. Since it's um MotoGP, let's hear your recap, mate. Yeah. Look, I think um last race of the season it's always a interesting um race when you know despite the fact that the championship is is wrapped up i think it, the race had a bit of everything um starting off i think martin was brilliant off the jump you know he led most of the first half of the race um and he did well uh, to keep banyaya behind him um it was a quite a strong start from ducati but also from suzuki i think that the first part of the race the early early laps was a was a bit of a battle between the two factory suzuki's and um the ducatis up front um I, I wasn't surprised by that to be honest because suzuki have been strong at valencia for the last two or three years or so um and it's actually a track that alex rins does quite well at um historically so that didn't surprise me um there was a bit of back and forth to begin with there um and then you know rins once again highly disappointing um, fifth time this year that he's crashed out from a position of strength uh, in the race. Um, I think it was the third time or fourth time this year he's crashed out from a podium position as well. So just highly disappointing from Alex Rins in a season that I think, um, you know, we, we would all agree on has been highly disappointing for him considering the, the um, expectations heading into this season for him. I think it's been very underwhelming. So, very disappointing again to see him um, crash out. And I think that just completely ruined the um, tussle between Ducati and Suzuki um, for the rest of the race. It became a Ducati show. We saw Banyaya um, take over Martin about halfway through the race. And then it really was just smooth sailing for him. He's been quite elite since um, about halfway through the season. He, um, you know, if buts and maybes, but again, if he, did, if he doesn't come off at Masano, um, considering Quattararo couldn't finish last race, I just think um, it would have been a fantastic showdown to finish the race at Valencia. Um, obviously, that didn't happen, but, um, you know, amazing storyline um, for Peko, and I think just sets up 2022 so nicely, um, and just ominous signs from, from Ducati, really ominous signs. Um, again, Martin does really well to stay second, finishes second, um, you know, there's a late charge from Miller who was quite consistent, I'd say, um, throughout the race. I mean, he fell back towards the mid race, but came, came back strong, um, to claim the last position on the podium. So Ducati one, two, three, 
the podium lockout first time, oh, sorry, the third time in um, their history in the Premier class. So quite impressive. Um, Quadraro finishing in fifth behind um, Juan Mir, who I think had a, quite a strong race. Uh, he did his best on the package that he had. Um, you know, finishing fourth is very Mir-esque to say the least. He's always been consistent, but just hasn't had any killer in him at all. Um, this season, I don't think he could do much. Um, and then Zarco, Binder, Bastianini ran out the top eight. And then, uh, and as well, we have um, the nine-time retiring world champion um, in Valentino Rossi finishing in 10th. So a fabulous season of MotoGP. Um, again, congratulations to Fabio Quattararo, um for winning the world championship. And I think it's been a very, very enjoyable season as a spectator. Thanks, Mike. I just, um, you did draw a little bit of attention to it, but man, Rossi, what a career. I think, um, what is it, 26 years or something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, the man's got you know, 89 Premier Class victories, 115 across all three classes, like 199 podiums in the Premier Class, 432 Grand Prix. That's the stat that I found amazing. 430, how many races in a season? 18. Uh, 18, yeah. 19. That is nuts. So I just, yeah, I think that guy, you know, you got people in Formula One that see him as their ultimate hero, like Lando Norris. You know, his whole helmet design is based on on Rossi's. I think it's just, yeah, I think we just need to draw attention to the fact that that man is finally finishing up. I thought it was really nice this weekend with all the um, VR46 riders actually just giving, paying a bit of tribute and respect. Like, um, I never really thought about it that much until... Uh, I've thought about it a little bit, but not like as much as they made it evident this week on how much um, he has shaped their careers and is part of their like um, being molded into the uh, into the sport. So I, th- I really thought that was very nice, especially with the tribute helmets and even what is it last week or two weeks ago when they were when um, his half brother was running the valet uh, liveries at um, in Masano. So yeah. Yeah, grazie vale. Um, grazie was, vale liveries. It was very yeah. nice. It was very nice. Yeah, I, I think we'll get into it later, but, you know, it's like like you're saying, Harry, is it's an amazing career and, um, you know, changed the sport in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, like, gonna, we'll get into it later, but... It's going to um, be interesting. Amazing career. It's going to be interesting who can sort of pick up or who will be the, in terms of who will pick up where he left off in terms of like that character at the... um at the track because looking at it now, I think that the sport has changed in a way where, where being a character is, is not that you can't be a character, but it's so much more corporate. It's so much more, um, you know, you're dealing with sponsors and stuff that we probably might not ever see a character like that again. And why is that? Because it's totally different in formula one, whereas they're encouraging that. Well, formula one was, was how yeah. GP was like three, four years ago till Liberty media, media bought him out. Um, I feel like the, the, that the new documentary series they're doing this year will, might might sort of help start changing the the way we perceive the riders. Just like Drive to Survive sort of changed the way that the normal world looked at the F one paddock. So we'll see what happens. Are you joking? I think, I think there is joking? a lot of I think there what? is a lot of personality in MotoGP. For me. Yeah, it's like I feel like yeah, fair enough. You might not have the fireworks that that you see but i feel i feel in f1 but i I do feel like you know 
there's obviously massive respect between the riders, but there's always drama. Like, I mean, how many times have you, have we seen riders losing it after, you know, incidences this year and especially last year? I mean, there were about, there were about four or five incidences last year where, you know, you had riders so pissed at one another. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking of Austria as an example. Like there were like two or three incidences in Austria one last year. There was that crazy crash with Morbidelli and Zarco. Um, you know, Uncle Jack I think and Mia is, are always having drama. Well, yeah, you could see there's a bit of a running tension there. But, like, again, massive respect between everyone. But I wouldn't say that it's completely, you know, um, it's tame or anything. I feel like there's a lot of um, tension. There's a lot of young riders, too. I mean, like, you know, there's a whole new era beginning um, now in MotoGP that is only going to get better. You've got three established I'd say superstars um, in Quattararo, Peco, you could say Mir, obviously Marquez is is right up there. So you've got the established stars and then look at this crop of of young talent that's um, you know, ready to burst onto the scene next year. So I think I think MotoGP set up really well for um, that kind of drama and, and you know, fireworks if you want to say. Uh, I'm not I think there's only good things to come in. The beauty of MotoGP is that things happen on track. And that and that is not something that can be said in Formula One all the time. So you, I don't think it's necessarily as dependent on creating the storylines because you know the racing facilitates more action in in and of itself. Um, but let's try like fantastic career for Valentino Rossi to think that he's been in the sport literally for as long as we've been able to think about the sport. Um, and if you think about you know the amount of people that he's gone up against over our lives. Um, you know, it's it's an insane career. Um, what about some of the talking points from the race, boys? What kind? What were your thoughts when you when you were when you watched the race? Do you want me to? Do you want me to begin? Yeah, you begin. I'm I'm interested to hear your take. All right. So you've you've you've, you've ruffled my feather, my feathers. So this is this is a very considered take. All right. That's how I want to start. This is not a Miller hate take. I'm not trying to be you know antagonistic for the sake of it. But I was thinking about this yesterday. Right. So, and Joe, you can vouch for this. I came into this year very much with a new outlook on Thriller Miller, right? I listened to his podcast in the off season with the Gypsy Tales. I thought, this guy doesn't sound like a bad guy. Let me give him a bit of a break, right? He came into the season, started pretty well. I see how you even just said he's not... He's not a bad guy. Why would you let think him finish. if he was a bad let guy? Let him finish, Joe. Because right, 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 right. I am... Um, I'm like the ambassador for corporate motorsport in general. I don't like mullets. I don't like, you know, birdies. I'm you don't like personality. <laughs> yes. You're a bit of a wanker. <laughs> I like helmets that are, you know, emblazoned with logos of sponsors. You like spreads. <laughs> anyway, so I'm thinking about Jack Miller and I'm watching the race yesterday. Right? He had a great race um, by his standards, but making a lot of mistakes. And I think if you were to characterize Jack Miller in a couple of words, very quick, but makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah. When you look yeah. at some of these people that he's racing against, Bagnaya, particularly me, right? Me yesterday, the amount of class that he showed to be in a bike that was really nowhere near the performance level of the Ducati. Okay. You know, create just steady laps, continually not making any mistakes. I feel like Jack Miller... Because of his jump straight from Moto3 to MotoGP, lacks a little bit of the finesse of the people that he's racing against now. 
okay? And the reason for that is if you're someone that's raced in Moto, a lot of these people that, you know, we're talking about now raced in Moto2, were racing at the front of the grids in Moto2, okay, where they had the chance to actually run races from the front to, you know, establish, you know, rhythms in, in races and not have to always be chasing. So they're a lot more practiced and a lot more well-versed in that particular skill. Whereas I feel like whenever, wherever Miller is in that front pack, he's making a lot of mistakes. He overshoots the braking mark. When he raced um, Alex Marquez last week, took over him, overshot the next braking point, got overtaken again. Next lap, took over him, overshot the braking point, got over, um, got overtaken again the next lap. Right? I feel like he lacks the finesse because he hasn't been put into a position where he can lead races, where he can you know, be at the front of the pack and, and learn how to manage that particular scenario. And even with, when he was racing for Honda and racing for the satellite Ducati teams, he really didn't have that opportunity because he was either mired in the midfield and when he was occasionally at the front, not a whole lot was expected of him. What say you to that? I think you're talking bullshit, eh? Really? <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. Because you, you mentioned it. You just said he hasn't raced in Moto2 and that's where you base the, these, these theories from. And then... Yeah. You talk about, um, about Alex Marquez, who's the Moto2 champion. And I would say Alex Marquez isn't as good as Jack Miller and hasn't shown anything that Jack Miller has shown. And they're about the same age. And There's then, one, two championships. Okay. But we're talking, about, we're talking about big boy racing now. We're talking about the MotoGP, mm. right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. And then you, you're going to talk about who's another Moto2 champion that you hey. fucking, that you loved when he came in. Um, What's his name? Oh, fire up, son. <laughs> can I, can I, I ask you? Fire oh, I'm here for what Alex, has... remember, remember Alex Rins on the ponds? Oh, Alex Rins, he's so good. He's going to do such good things for Suzuki. Da, 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 da. Guy falls off every two races. You don't say nothing about Alex Rins. We know he falls. Actually, I say I Alex Rins has lost the job. Listen, listen, listen. Jack had a good race yesterday, and he made one or two mistakes at the start of the race. And you know what? I'm not, def- not going to defend him for that. But I feel like the way he came back in that second half of the race and he came back and he passed Quadraro and he passed he me. Back. Yes, he I came he, back. I, I, no, I don't think he came back. I mean, he, talk, he talked after the race and said he was saving the tyres. And then he said that when he tried to go for one lap, he, over, he overcooked them in one lap and he couldn't go anymore. So, like, look, I think I'll let you finish, Joe, and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw my two cents in and keep going. I just, I just think Anthony has a... Has a a way of uh, he's over he's overthinking it every year that Jack I don't overthink it. Every you way, say- I'm gonna tell you, every year he's been a Moto GP, he's got more points and got more points, and he's done it again and he's done it again and he's done it again. I throw a few stats at you, please, just for throw, just, me, throw me some stats. 2015. Yes. Jack Miller's first season in the Moto GP. Fair yeah. enough. First year, he was racing with Cal Crutchlow. Yeah. Cal Crutchlow finishes eighth. He yeah. finishes nineteenth. First year on an inferior bike. You can't talk about that. He okay. was on the he was on the on inferior the bike. bike. He was racing against Loris Baz on a forward Yamaha, another inferior bike, who doubled his points almost. Hector Barbara, Yoni Hernandez, Scott Redding, all ahead of him. Not rookies. 2016. Come on, keep going. Jack Miller. Yeah. Eighteenth. Yeah. Fifty seven points. Yeah. He's racing with Eugene Laverty finishes 13th. Yeah. 2017. Where is he? Jack Miller. Oh, finishes in 11th. His His teammate, teammate. Petrucci, finishes in 8th with almost 40 points more. 2018. Jack Miller 
finishes in 13th on Pramac Ducati. His teammate, Daniel Petrucci, finishes in 8th. 2019, Jack Miller finishes in 8th. Daniel Petrucci finishes in 6th. 2020, he finally wins his first teammate battle. And when was this? In six years. He's won one teammate battle in six years. And when was the first? He's a great racer. He's a great racer. When was the first year he got the got the updated bike in Nob? Look, I'll, I'll say, say this. I'll say this before Joseph, as well. before Joseph goes, you know, to cardiac arrest. Um, I completely agree with Anthony, and I'm and I don't say it. We know you do. We know he seems, you he do. seems to think because Harry and Joseph seem to think that I'm all in against Miller. No, I'm not. I'll say this. I agree with Anthony because having watched Miller for a number of years now. Okay, and wanting him to succeed, despite what you might think, wanting him to succeed, he he honestly should never have been a works rider. And I and I understand that there was no real other option for for Ducati. I still think personally they should have gone with Zarco this year. And they should have put him on a one year one year prove it deal, but they didn't. They decided to go with Miller and give him a chance. Fair enough. Okay, but if if anything, this year shows that Ducati is by far a, a more superior package than it's ever been in the last three to four years. It's a far superior package. It has put the Yamaha to shame in the second half of the season. Yamaha hasn't even been able to go with them bar one or two races, but Ducati has been consistent at tracks that it was... I mean, look at Valencia. Last year, they could not touch... They could Suzuki. not touch Suzuki in race one. Miller had, granted, Miller had a great race in Valencia two last year. He had a great battle with Morbidelli. Overall, Ducati as a whole were useless. A lot of these tracks in the second half of the season last year, they've been unbelievably consistent and unbelievably fast at tracks that they've struggled to turn at in the second half of the season. So their package, it's not a question of their package. They've been excellent since testing. Okay, There was a lot of talk pre-season about how Ducati's bike was so much more improved. They've obviously got killer pace. No one can touch them on, on straights, but their handling has been fantastic. Their tyre consumption has been great. So if there was any year where I thought Miller had a great chance to really make a name for himself in the sense of challenging for a, for a championship, it should have been this year. And I think that there were flashes when he showed that he could, he could be up there. But I think overall, he's been underwhelming. He's, uh, you can't say that he's been overly consistent too because it's not like he's been churning out low low podiums or you know um staying where he needs to be in order to be second third in the championship he's been irregular because he makes mistakes Mike. so because he does make and, mistakes. and we compare and you're comparing him to rins yes alex rins for, has fallen far too much in the last two seasons prior to that falling wasn't really a thing and emoto two falling wasn't a thing so I personally don't understand where the fallings come from. It might be too much pressure on him, but I'll say this. When Alex Rins is at his best, he is, far, he is a far better racer than Jack Miller. When, when, when they're both at their best, Alex Rins can, can do things on that Suzuki that he shouldn't be able to. And even at the start of that race yesterday, it's obvious that Suzuki's package this year has been, has been nowhere near where it needs to be. The handling is still there, but pace-wise... And, and even the way that they 
have been using their tyres because they've been chasing the races too much. I mean, this is probably the first week, Suzuki, first set week all season, Suzuki actually qualified half decently um, and didn't have to use most of their tyres just to catch up to the, to the top, to the leading pack. So I think, um, as I was saying, I think when Rins is at his best and Miller's at his best, it's not even, a, it's not even really close for me, but I think Jack Miller it will, will never be, you know, he'll never be for me a, a T1 Ducati rider. I think he's better when the pressure isn't there so much, so to speak. Sometimes he can rise to the occasion, but I think all in all, um, for, for me anyway, I don't think he's really, he hasn't got what it takes to be a world champion. That's just I, how I see it. I think he does. Yeah, Go Harry. From a newbie's perspective, I think um, he's on the best bike. From what I can see, he's on the best bike. His teammate yeah. is smashing him every every week, and I'm a I'm a Miller fan just because he's an Aussie. I, I support the Aussies, right? Because there's no Greeks in the field, eh? Yeah, that's right. We're not, you know, we're not really good at much. Um, but there's so many Maltese in the MotoGP. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, best bike. Yes, he's had a couple of wins this year, but he's consistently being outperformed by Bagnaya. And as I said, I'm a fan, but I just can't see. He is really inconsistent. Like even even last night's race, got off the line really well, fell back and fought his way through. Now I know we said this before the podcast, but he seems to me like he's the Bottas of Ducati, and I know Joey doesn't like that comparison. <laughs> Joey Settle, he's not Settle son. Okay, keep going. For, for me, that's how he looks because Bottas is really inconsistent. Let me throw another. Let me throw another. No, I, 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 want to, I want to talk a bit before. Hold it, you, no, no, no. Before you no, drop another F bomb on me. No, give me a just, second. Let me just no, throw it. I love no, it. I love I, it. Let's go. I, 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 need to, I need to say a few yeah, things. Yeah, let him have his. Let him say his listen, piece. Listen, it's, listen. It's very easily refutable. Yeah, it, it's refutable. I never said he was better than Bagnaya, and it's impossible to um to sort of refute that because Bagnaya's had an amazing season. But you were saying that you think it's because he wasn't in Moto Two that he's he's so far behind. That's what you no, said. I said I don't. I said I don't think that. No, he's Anthony had, said that, Mike. Not I you. said I said I don't think he's had the experience of racing and man, of racing up front and managing races from the front that you get in Moto Two. Because if you're the best in Moto Two, you move to Moto GP. If at the start of the year you said Ducati is going to win the teams championship, constructors championship. He's going to come fourth in the season and win two races, get four podiums. You would have, you would have thought that's a good season. If, the, if at the start but, of the season someone said that, no. you'd have thought that was a great season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been a, I think it's been a good season for me, but I don't think it's been a great season. It has, I it's, think it's been a good season. Th- there are two things. There are two things here, right? At the start of the year, Miller was Miller was touted as being the number one rider for Ducati, and it wasn't even a question. Right? He had his a nickname great, on his leathers to he Thriller. Had fan, he had a fantastic. He had a fantastic. Well, not even a fantastic. He had a good end to the season last year. He had good momentum. He, like I said, he won Valencia too. He finished on a podium in the final race of the season at, at Portimao. The hype was real. Okay, Banyaya started but who, testing. Banyaya tested better than him at La Salle during all preseason. Okay, all preseason during the race, uh, the first race. All right, Miller had that incident with me that you lost your head about that I I maintained to this day. Was in, was immature from both riders, but I think that little Move brain fart, down. that little brain fart, is the kind of thing that has cost him in, in races. Like even at Misano, yeah, fair enough. Banyaya falls. What? Why? Why is Miller falling? Okay, like the, 
yes, that's very Rins-esque, but like they're the kind of things you're on the best bike. Clearly you're on the best bike. They've just won the constructors. It's not even, for me, it's not even a question. Okay. I just don't think when with, with the pressure of being on a factory ride, clearly there's pressure at Ducati because they will remove people like that. You've got a whole stable coming through. So I get that. But I just think when he was on Pramac, there was less pressure and pressure. I don't ever think he's going to challenge for a championship. I just don't see it. I, I really don't see it. And also your your claim about whoever's talking about not need, you know needing to be successful in Moto2. Last year's world champion was very ordinary in Moto Moto two, made the jump from Moto three, and in two and in two years was was champion of MotoGP. Yes, it was a strange year last year, but he's been he's very very consistent, Joanne Mir. So I don't really I don't really agree with that claim. And Quadraro wasn't Quadraro wasn't particularly amazing in Moto two either, to be honest. Hmm. Can, can I just point out that Michael's passion only arcs up on this podcast when he's talking about Jack Miller. No, I just I just I really feel like and I've said this for years now, I just feel like we we can be, being Australian, we overhype him a lot. And also we haven't mentioned that another Australian has won the Moto Two World Championship. So big props to Remy Gardner. I do you want that Moto Two Championship. I do are you on that bandwagon, mate? Or he's, are you? He's, a K, he's a he's a KTM rider and that's Michael's see, favorite team. I, I see um, Remy Gardner being very legitimate in MotoGP, but he won't know, win a MotoGP. Given, given the talent, given the talent Ooh, level that's coming this through, guy. you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> so I think at, it's Anthony that's at, got the Aussie look at this guy. Can I tell you, he just said, if you win Moto2, you come into, you come into Moto2 said, be no. better than if you don't. And... <laughs> I, I still think he's better than Miller, but I think that, I don't know if he's got, I think his teammate was better than him this year, really. I'm, he just no, didn't I'm get not, the jump. I'm, I'm, but can I just finish my point, please? I, before I we move on, be please. Miller, though. Can I finish my point? I never said... I think that Miller can be a champion. I, do, I, I think that he's got... Just let me finish, man. I think he's got the talent to do it, genuinely. He's got the speed. The problem that he has if he right now is he doesn't have the consistency. You say that he had a great comeback, fantastic. But if you're going to win these races in MotoGP, you can't stuff up at the beginning to need to have the comeback. And that's where he needs to get to. He needs that's to be me. able to dominate a race. And like, look at Johan Mir, Okay. No mistakes. He's changing the pronunciations of names <laughs> so much. Johan, like, Johan. Where did Johan come from? He's all of a sudden a speed. Joan? Don't know me. Anyway. Um, but he needs, to, once he needs to get that, that level of consistency that he obviously doesn't have right now. And if he gets that, and he does have obviously have the speed, I think he'll, you know, he, he can. But at this stage, he doesn't have it. Did he, oh, did, he, I think, did he do the job that he was meant to do this year? I'm not, no, we're not talking he, about. I think he has. The job. I think he's definitely done a, a job to an extent. I just don't think that he's lived up to his own hype. Like that he lost to the number one. He lost. He lost. He lost the number one preference, I believe, after three rounds. That. Can I say something as well about this? I've mentioned this before. I don't think he even ever had the number one preference because I said no, it was this. very he, clear. He only had a one-year contract. If you if offers, you, go and, gave... if you go and watch if you go and watch Ducati's preseason hype video which went for about half an hour they very clearly talk about giving him the opportunity to be a number one rider and Peko Pe- who had a junk year last year again who could not stay Peko got in by default let's was, be honest Peko got into the factory and team he by default. His, and he seized his chance he seized his opportunity and he's like look how consistent he's been that's why I can't stand this this claim that oh you know um you're, we're being too harsh on Miller the, the package is is there the package is there. It's not even close. Yeah, Yamaha, that's enough. Been, 
Yamaha's been nowhere to be seen. Fair enough, you know, he, he's won the world championship. But the second half of the season, Ducati have been untouchable. So mm. I don't buy this. I don't buy the whole argument. Well, Mick, that's too harsh on Miller. That's a good point that you made that that allows us to segue from this conversation before it gets any more atomic. I say one Um, more thing, just one more thing. I just remember now. Very quick, very quick, very quick. Because Michael said he'd rather have put Zarka on the bike. Zarka has the same bike, and he finished behind him in the championship. Zarka has been nowhere the second half. I understand that. I just think that Zarka is a bit more mature. Maybe being on a having that factory pressure. He's five years older. May may have not. You know, affected him as much, and I think staying at Pramac without that factory pressure could have we could have maybe seen on the same bike Jack elevate to even you know even more consistent, even even greater levels. But you know it's all if buts and maybes. I'm looking How forward to next year, twenty six or twenty seven. Oh okay. He's got 26? he's got lots of time. Is he twenty six? I don't I don't think he's got time. And, I don't and think he's got much time. time to talk about that. These young given these the young boys are coming in. Stable, I don't think he's got much time at all. He'll get a ride somewhere, though. Yeah, but he he, he wants he won't get a factory ride. I don't think if he loses this one. I honestly Except think maybe if Honda was to go back to a satellite team, um, you'd see you'd see him. In the race race for Suzuki. In would you take Would you take him to Honda, Anthony? I don't think he'll ever race for Suzuki. Would you take him at Honda over Pole? Me. Mm. I already know who I want at Honda. Okay, that's not my time. question. No. <laughs> Who would you want, Alex Rins? Who do you want, Alex Rins? I want Rins? Johan Mir. I don't think Johan Mir. Nah. I don't think. Oh, and Jonah Vark. I don't think. I don't think Mir will ever. I don't think Mir will leave Suzuki, and I uh, have two reasons for that. I think, give if if you listen, actually listen to both of them talk, but I don't think Rins has a choice anymore. I think it's all dependent on how he starts next year. But they have a very strong, the Suzuki the Suzuki family, given that it's such a small family, is a very tight knit group. Um, I think this year was very testing because of the of the you know the fact I think there was a bit of naivety at the, naivety at the end of last year in terms of how much they thought they were ahead of the rest of the of the group. I always go back to testing where they didn't test for this year's parts; they were testing for next year, which I think will be interesting given how much improved their whole shot device is now that they've, they've raced with the 2022 whole shot in the last two races. They've been much better, but. Anyway, that's another thing for another day. I just think that with Mir, he's very—he's made it very clear how, of how loyal he is to Suzuki. If they can get a good package back under him next year, where he's challenging again, I think that will keep him there. The interesting thing for me is Alex Rins, and you're saying you're interested to see who goes to Honda. If Alex Rins was to go to Honda, that's something that I'd like to see as well, because I think Alex, given the Alex. way he rides, given the way Alex Rins rides, which is you know much more. I'd say risky. He's more flamboyant, aggressive. It would be. It would be, it would be very interesting. I think about Marquez and Rins as a partnership. That's a very tasty proposition to me. But I've always, you know, I've again. always thought, I've always wanted to see what a mix of Rins and Mir looked like because I would, I would bet my bottom dollar that on one lap pace, Rins is probably one of the, would be on any bike probably one of the fastest riders on the grid because he's so aggressive. Well, if you look, but at he just Rins always bins the bike. If you look at Rins last year, the amount of times he set fastest laps during races mm. in multiple tracks, fastest laps during races, and can't for the life of him, both of them actually struggle, but Suzuki struggle as a factory to set good qualifying times. They can't set they can't set hot laps. And if they improved that, they'd be they'd be challenging for 
not not just podiums, wins every race because we see them charge through the pack every single race. They just qualified closer to, closer to the front row, you know, for most tracks. How, how good were they, they this week? So much of it. Sorry? That new, how, I said, how, how much difference does that new whole shot device well, do for well, them? I think, I, I think the biggest change I saw was actually when I watched last week's race going down the main straight at Portimao, which, you know, next to the Ducatis, I found it very interesting to see how, how it affected them coming out of that back parabolic corner. Last year, they were getting burnt. Even at the start of this year, if you remember, I think it was race one or two, um, when, when Banyaya was having a very, a very no, at Portimao when they raced there earlier this year, Banyaya and Rins were having a bit of a duel um, early in the race before Rins came off. And the, the Suzuki just could not go with the Ducati last week with this new hole shot at the start of the race, but also going down the straight. Suzuki was much had much more horsepower. So I think that's very interesting heading into next year. But anyway, I don't want to monologue too much, but um, yeah could be very very interesting to see how Rin starts next year and, and what the future holds for Suzuki there. Can I ask, I, I posed the question last week and Michael's here this week and you guys did answer it, but I, I'm coming back to it. If Peko didn't fall off at that the race where Quateraro won the championship, Mizano, would yeah. he would would he have still won it? I, I worked it out for you this week. Yep. Uh, Quattararo won by 27 points, so it wouldn't have changed anything. So if Peko didn't fall off and won the last just, two races? Just would have been closer. Okay. that's That shows how good Quattararo's start of the season that, was. That's You know, when you said who's the love child of Rins and Mir, it's Quattararo. Yeah, but... That's who it is. Someone yeah, but, who can be absolutely dominatingly quick, but also... Can, can, I, can I say something? He's... Last year he was blind. He, he was amazing for the first half of the year, and then he fell away. Races, and now this year he's been he's been he was uh, he was he I I don't know if this is bike related or him. I, I I'm guessing it's bike related. He was amazing for three quarters of this year, half the year, but three quarters of the year. And I don't know if it's to do with to do with bike uh, like the upgrades to the Ducati and the Suzuki and even the Honda a bit. But I would I would say like from the eye test that 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 Yamaha went from looking like the best bike this year with him on it to easily looking like the third or fourth best bike. I said this I said, two weeks ago, boys. I said I I I didn't think we had enough um, like sort of uh, races to 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 make a big enough decision. But now it looks pretty ominous. If you think about, I've got a few things that I um that I that I feel. Joseph's just raised that are quite interesting. If you think about if you think about Yamaha in their recent history, just in general, mate, when um, Maverick Vinales um, first signed with Yamaha, they started the season, you know, like a bat out of hell. And then over the course of the year, he slowly lost traction and Marquez ended up winning the championship. That's a, that's a Maverick thing, not a not a Yamaha thing. But the same thing happened last year with Quadraro. Obviously, I think they take advantage of at the beginning of the season. They are always very strong at um, at La Salle. Obviously, Ducati's pulled that back a little bit as well now, but they're always strong to start the year. And then I also think you've got to take into consideration the fact that last year was a bit of an anomaly in general. Like people were yeah. still getting their feet. Look who ended up winning the championship. Johan uh, again, Johan Kruifer. Johan Mir ended up winning the championship from you know pure consistency. Um, 
And I think the same thing's happening again this year. If we saw Bagnaya and Marquez racing for the whole year at the level they're at, or even if me was able, if they, if, if Suzuki was able to get on top of their bike much earlier in the year, I'm, you know, very confident in saying that Cordarari wouldn't have won this championship. I, I, oh. I agree. And I'll say this. I don't think it can be underplayed how much the drama with Vinales affected Yamaha later in the season. Quattararo kept his head, but I think the team suffered because of that. And, and, and I mean, Morbidelli hasn't really been there, but I think Ducati, since that drama, their bike has been pretty much untouchable. And that's when we really started seeing Banyaya move into the, into the championship race. I also think what Anthony touched upon earlier is, is true. The, the first half of the season tend to be Yamaha tracks. And as we move towards the back end, um, you know, in the last two years, Suzuki has got much, much stronger. Ducati has seemed to be pretty consistent um, over all the tracks this year, which is why I think they're deserved constructed, um, constructed championship winners. And teams champions. Um, yeah, I think, I think... Also, it can't be understated how little um, the actual the Suzukis this year, how much they had, had changed until these last um, three or four races. They actually had hardly changed the bike at all. Um, again, that whole shot device has completely changed not, not only their speed, but they've also had improved tyre wear again. Mir faded at the end of this last race, but was, was, was doing a pretty good job um, keeping up with those Ducatis. But do, I do, think you, do, you, do you have a clause in your contract to just mention Suzuki as many times in a podcast as possible? No, I'm just being objective here. <laughs> Primary sponsor I've, of I Michael Barger, extra. I don't think I've been, um, I've favoured Suzuki at all this year. I've been very critical of them. Yeah, but I think yeah. that it can't be understated as to how underdeveloped their bike was in the first three quarters of the season. And that's why I'm saying next year, it's going to be, I think, a much closer race between all, all three you know, with Honda coming back into the mix as well. So it's, it's set up nicely for 2022. Next year looks like the year. And what we also need to establish at the end of this year, just moving into next year, quite important. So, um, Joseph, you're going to be defending Ducati to the hilt. You've been doing that quite vehemently all no, season. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't, I think, I think they've had a pretty good, I think they've had a great season. If you're averaging 24, point, 24 points a race as a team, that's, that's pretty good. Like that, that's the reason I defend them. Like if they weren't doing that, I wouldn't. Just but, um, I was making a joke. It's all good. It can't be understated too how how many Ducatis will be in the paddock next year. I mean, mate, bikes. Yeah, I mean that's ballistic. But, that, but that's it's an crazy investment. That's, to think about. that's an investment. To think about. That's an investment that they're making. Like other teams uh, can can get. Like other teams can give bikes away. Yamaha don't want to give bikes away. Suzuki don't want to have a a, a feeder well, team. Like, Suzuki Suzuki's biggest. I keep saying to the fact that Mir is third in the championship and Suzuki even have a sniff to be in the top three for constructors actually is all down. I would say mostly down to Joanne Mir because of how consistent he's been considering how many times um, Rins has been the bike this year. It's a, it's pretty amazing that they're finishing where they are with the bike that they had. And I think what's letting Suzuki down is not just, yeah, you know, time in qualifying and the fact that they had an underdeveloped bike this season. They need a satellite team. They really need a satellite team. You weren't you, you went here last week, but that's the what... landscape of MotoGP. If they actually invest, and yes, they're the smallest, they're the smallest um, Japanese manufacturer in the paddock. I get that. But they were talking about it at the start of last year. They still haven't made a decision. Losing Brivio, I think, affected them, but they definitely need a satellite team. You are sponsored by Suzuki. I was trying to make a joke. I was trying to make a joke. And 
say that Joseph's been defending Ducati, you've been defending Suzuki. I wanted to see if Harry has in you know found himself barracking for a particular team or rider moving into 2022 so that we can, you know. Um, I like the Ducatis just because I think they're the best bike at this point. I don't really oh. like what a bandwagoner. Yeah. Oh, I'm what on a that, mercenary. Jump on, that, uh, <laughs> jump, jump on that KDM train, Harry. Yeah, well, Remy's going there next year, isn't he? So yeah. that could be an option. Yeah, they got four. They got four good bikes. I think they'll make a big jump again next year. Look, next year is going to be amazing. If amazing. if I have to support an Aussie, um, and you know the Miller hate on this podcast is making me kind of cynical of him, I think we're. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I think how, we might be on the Gardner train next year. I love how midweek Harry's even jumping on the. Oh, he sounds like a bit of a bogan. <laughs> Mate, well, I listened to the in the right? I listened to the in the fast lane podcast, and I was like, no, that can't be him. Surely not. Listen it to was... his podcast on the Gypsy Tales. You'll like him more. I like him. I, I I really like him. I just don't. I just don't see what Joseph sees in him. To be honest, like he, anyway, let's not open that can of worms he, again. He just sounded like you'd walk past him and he'd be like, "How you going, brah?" Like he would. It was that? It was that kind of give you the deuces. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. He's all right. I just think that he's he's just not as good as man. He changed his name on the back of his leathers this year. To thriller. Oh, what has he done? Anthony, what has he done? What has he done? What was it? What has he done to warrant the firm? What was it before that? Miller. No, it wasn't. That's his name. It was jackass. It was Miller, mate. You're talking. You're talking about getting. You're talking about getting. Get becoming mature. He's given himself a mature adult name. He's done nothing yet to be called thriller. Shut up, you flame you know hater. He dominates the preseason dirt bike competition that they all go to. So Yeah, well, you know. too bad you don't get any points for that. Yeah. If he had a 50-point advantage by the end of it, maybe. But come on, Jackie, give us something. You should something get a 50-point to... advantage of being a great guy. Give us something, Jack. Come on, mate. So to our listeners, we are actually from Australia, not somewhere else. So just You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it, eh? We're, no, we're the local press, so we have to give them, we have to give them the most pressure. Anthony's, okay. Anthony, Anthony's bringing hard hard bullshit facts about him and then the minute we bring yeah. up Remy, he's like, he's not going to win. One day, <laughs> one day. I took, I took you get... to town with my stats, mate. Listen, listen I want to talk about Remy for a bit because I've yeah. done a bit bit more number crunching, right? Alright. Give us, give us, and, give us um, your numbers, mate. Like, I'm... I'm I'm so happy he's he's champion and and really really I didn't think he was going to lose it after the the race before last and he he did he had a really good measured um you know just calculated race stayed out of trouble championship but, race just yeah, yeah, championship. like very like well, well played but very smart you know showed a lot of he maturity had jo- he had a Joanne performance. did he had a he had a Joanne Myray championship kind of run. Yeah. Um, however, Anthony decides to say it on on any given day. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see what he's going to sound like next year. Um, Jane Mary or something. Anyway, um, but what I wanted to talk about was I, when you when you think about uh, the way he's risen through the Moto2 ranks, like it, ha- it hasn't been an overnight success like Fernandez this year. It's been, it's been you wouldn't call him like a, a, like a, a protege. Yeah, a prodigy. He wouldn't be a protege. Prodigy. He definitely isn't a prodigy. So I went. I went. I looked through his. Um, I looked through his his uh, points over the last three years because I wanted to see how he's um how he's matured over over the um last three seasons. So in two thousand nineteen, he scored seventy seven points, and he scored points in eleven of the nineteen rounds. Um, and then the next year, so last year, he got one hundred thirty five points, and he scored points in eleven out of the fifteen rounds. 
So he had a 75% spike in his points over four races less, which is was pretty impressive. And then coming into this year, I mean, the pressure the pressure's been on him this year from the start because he's come into the best team, like um what is it? Okay. Um, I, 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 KTM don't, you know, they don't suffer fools and they, they'll bring you in and take you out just as quickly as they bring you in. Like they're a championship um, producing team. And from the start, he knew he only had one year in Moto2. And if if he um, was good enough, he was going into um, MotoGP or he was done. And he's scored 311 points and scored points in 17 of the 18 races. 133% um, rise in points this year. What are you laughing at? You're just Nostradamus. I'm not remembering these facts. I just told you I went and looked into it. What are you talking about? You think I'm just like going, oh, yeah, I'm like... Well, I need I just, a deep dive. Yeah, I, th- I just want some good information. I wanted to know, like, I wanted to know, like, as a writer, how, how, he's, how he's matured over the last three seasons because you can mm-hmm. see... You can see a, like a literally doubling of points, pretty much doubling of points over the last um, over the last three years, and also I think more impressively limiting the non-point scoring races because usually you don't score points if you crash, yeah. especially in, on on these good bikes. So I just thought it was it was for someone coming into MotoGP because everyone's like, oh, Fernandez, Fernandez, and Fernandez is a is a beast, but. Um, I think that the maturity and the way he's gone about his craft over the last three years will do him well coming yeah, into MotoGP. If you were to, I think if you were to think about his Moto2 championship season and kind of who he reminded me of, it's actually Brad Binder. He's had a very similar season to Brad Binder. And if you look at how that's left Brad Binder in the MotoGP, if, if KTM can get on top of that bike again, you know, Brad Binder could be, you know, a lot higher than he is. He fit, like he's, he's, Notoriously good at finishing races. The Brad bike came a, fifth in the cha- came sixth in the championship this year. Bike is a dog to qualify, um, but he manages to get through the field. So I, I feel like you know if that's who we're comparing him to, and I think that's a fairly good comparison considering they're on the same bikes and they're going to fairly similar teams as well. Um, I say this, I say this too. That's good. While we're on the topic of you're a bit soft. Remy you're Gardner. a bit soft. You're a bit while soft. The, while we're Not on the first topic time you of Remy. While we're on the top, talking about Remy Gardner, um, Pedro Acosta also won Moto3. And I know you're going to say that I'm, I'm paid by Suzuki here, but if Alex Rins was to start poorly next year, I would put my money on Suzuki reaching for Pedro Acosta because of the fact that they've done it before and they're definitely not scared of reaching down to Moto3 for, for top-tier talent like they did with Joanne Mir. Um, I would not be surprised if they were if they were to go that route again. Pedro Costa racing Moto Two next year. He's taken over. Um, seat. No, I'm saying, as in for 2023. So I would yeah. not be surprised if they were to do, if they were to, um, you know, if Rins was to start poorly and Pedro was to start well in Moto Two. If that was their long term strategy, I just thought I'd spit that out while I had the chance. What what, what about what do you think about um, Miguel Oliveira? If he has another year like he had this year, do do you even see KTM? keeping his services like at, when he won that race this year was it or did he just come second he win a race this year he won a race this year he won a race yeah but i think, Everyone's I think like, KTM gets his... a pass this year and their riders get yeah. a pass this year that bike has yeah. been nothing to write home about if they're going to be honest about it they need to look at what they've given the riders because last year he was you know doing some amazing things 
I think he was just pushing too hard to try to make something happen if we're being frank, to be honest with you. I think there's a bit of that. I think think you called it a few um, pods ago when you mentioned the fact that they were given less, um, what's the word? I think, like, assists, leniencies this year. um, They lost a lot of those privileges as a developing team. Um, I think their their stable of MotoGP riders actually regressed this year as well. I mean, you had Pole, who's, like I mentioned this before, essentially developed that bike. They were in a great position last year. I think all of their riders were pretty strong. Um, Tech 3 were really pushing were really pushing the you know the the works team last year and then tech three have fallen off a cliff this year i think the works team has been less um formidable so i would expect a big jump from ktm again um as well next year i think that, that'll be interesting with you know, hear some... got a great stable of, of riders coming through I, I don't think anyone is going to cut the mustard if they're going to be middling in that in that stable um in both in both camps tech three and red bull ktm so be interesting to see what happens there as well. Just you know, give us a quick one to end up, mate. Just give us your quick stat and we'll finish on that. Who, me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Kate, so Tech 3, I was crunching more numbers before as well about the percentages of points that teams have gained or lost every race this year. Uh, Tech 3 last year scored on average 10.8 points a race, right? And, and they were... They weren't like they weren't a, the best team last year, but they were they, they came what sixth or seventh in the championship out of the twelve, and they were pretty good. And this year they've dropped from ten points or ten point eight points race to, uh, to four point two. They had they've had the the biggest drop out of any team other than the um Sepang Racing team, like they that and, and Sepang last year came second. So um Tech Three really need to. Or tectoire, should I say, if I want to be the be the purest, um, they really need to um, pick up next year. And I think the riders that they've brought in um, are an afterthought, and they're 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 both super talented, and they've shown that they can compete at the at the top of a great grid. So I'm interested. I'm very excited to see them next year. Absolutely, their riders their riders are going to you know be take a quantum leap in, in quality. Lecoan has been abysmal. I think Petrucci was done last year. I don't think I don't know understand I don't even understand why they even went with him. I understand the experience argument, but I think he was done. So yeah, for sure. Gardner and and um and co. Surely be better in tech three. I think we'll leave it there, boys. That's a yep. that was a Tabasco field episode ten. So it was you know, some, some Tabasco. Good, Tabasco field mate. She what was spicy. About, she was spicy. Um Johan. Yep. I think we'll make Joan of Arc, the new patron of the podcast as well. But with all that being said, thanks so much for listening tonight. Guys, um, please, on our socials, give us a like, give us a follow. Um, keep spreading the word, keep spreading the love. And we'll have the um, episode 11 coming up this week as well, uh, where we review the um, Moto G- uh, MotoGP, the Formula One race from Interlagos. So thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, thanks guys. guys.